sometimes we have to like hit the mute button to try to access our internal guidance, which for so many of us, it's been laying dormant for maybe decades. I think it's such a dangerous almost just to think that, you know, you've awakened and you've followed your desires and that's, you know, you done. Like, nope, never. (laughs) When they work together and when there's a balance and like a play and a back and forth, that's when shit gets done in a really healthy, positive, supportive, (laughs) empowering kind of way. Damn right to that. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Oh Hi Self, your new home for all things personal development, empowerment, embodiment, mindset, manifestation, human potential, and whatever weird other human stuff we can get into. I'm your host, Sandra Possing, speaker, coach, lifestyle entrepreneur, digital nomad, and just massive lover of the humanness that is humans. And today I'm very excited because I have another guest for y'all. And this guest is very special to me. I would like to introduce you to my dear, dear friend, Nikki Armitage-Foy. Nikki, welcome. Hello, Sandra, my darling. So um, Nikki, I will introduce like who and what she is in a moment, but she is not only my dear friend, she, um, she was a bridesmaid at my wedding. She is a fellow coach. We are colleagues. We have collaborated professionally and we've been each other's clients. And so I would just say that we, um, we know each other very deeply in so many different ways. And as, as you listeners probably know by this point, when I bring guests on here, it's because I love bringing people who can share their wisdom and knowledge and expertise in the realms of things that I think are so important for all of us on this human journey. But also, I just love bringing on people who are willing to be vulnerable, be raw, and, you know, put aside the like, all just the nonsense and bullshit that we deal with in our daily lives and get really real. So Nikki is another one of the humans in my life who's willing to go there. So um, before we go there, to all the places I was asking Nikki right before we got on, I was like, is anything off limits? And she was like, nope. And then I was trying to describe like how the flow of this would go. And I was, I meant to say, it's going to be really conversational. And I said, it's going to be really confrontational. (laughs) So I don't know what I may have set the tone for here, but Nikki, um, I'm going to give it like my casual bio and then you can fill in the gaps with anything I'm missing. But when I think of Nikki, I think of feminine leadership coach. I think of soft power. I think of someone who is a thought leader in the space of what I would maybe call like a new paradigm of conscious leadership, which has so many of the qualities and characteristics of the feminine, of that soft power that I really consider her to be an expert in. Would you say that's close to accurate or what what did I miss? Phenomenal, my love. I couldn't have said that better. I'm going to use that. Yes. You can go ahead and take that clip out and just play it for people when you introduce me just fumbling over myself. (laughs) So I want to introduce you to the people actually, Nikki, by throwing you, um, I just used this um, with another guest recently, but I want to just throw you into the arena right off the bat. Um, The arena, for anyone who's not familiar, is a reference to Brene Brown's work. Basically, when Brene Brown is talking about vulnerability, she's kind of talking about like, don't worry about people criticizing you unless they're in the arena with you and in the arena, meaning like you're in there, you're doing the work, you're being courageous, you're showing up. So like, don't worry about the haters on the sidelines. But by throwing you into the arena, what I would love to do is to ask you first and foremost about relationship with body, because 
to me, relationship, our relationships with our bodies is, I mean, something we all have and something I think most of us can relate to. But for women, especially, I think it's such an important and potent and complicated topic, certainly in the society and culture we live in, at least in Western society and culture. Um, our relationships with our bodies have been very conditioned in so many negative ways with so much pressure and beauty standards and just trauma and like a bunch of really <laughs> negative bullshit. Um, and I consider you to be someone who has been on a really beautiful journey with your body. So let's just start there. Like how, how would you describe your relationship with your body and your journey with it? Oh, what an amazing place to start. Oh. Well, first of all, I'm totally thrilled and honored to be on this podcast. I, I, I love where you're headed with this conversation. Um, so my relationship with my body today feels, yeah, I feel way more at peace. I, that, that's the number one thing I've always wanted to feel, actually. Well, well, not always. That's not true. When I was young, I wanted just to feel hot and sexy and thin. But over time, I just want to feel at peace with myself because it's so, I find... I've always found me being at peace in my body such the, the biggest challenge um, that there was. And I had uh, an eating disorder when I was uh, 12. I always say now, because I, I lead these workshops for women around empowering us in our sexuality and in our bodies. And I always say in these workshops that I used to go around like a walking head, just traveling around like a walking head, totally dissociated from my body. I actually felt really disgust with my body because I was always in this place of perfectionism and punishment because they're a great tag team. So my perfectionist was like, I have to look a certain way. I always have to be 10 pounds lighter than I was. No matter what I was, it was always had to be 10 pounds lighter. And if I was 10 pounds lighter, my life, my relationships, my business, my everything, everything would just be so wonderful. I'd be like running around in the fields with a white dress and flowers and sand. I don't even know, just, just like this kind of illusion of just total happiness. <laughs> I don't know that. Anyway, <laughs> I didn't realize Sound of Music was my ideal of happiness until now. But maybe. <laughs> yeah, so I had this perfect ideal, but then I was obviously never, never that and so I had this very self-punishing voice that was like, you're basically disgusting. You know, your body's disgusting. I used to binge eat and had bulimia. So it was really a cycle of binging and starving myself and then trying to purge. Um, but I did really ever since the, the purging all started when I was 16. I did that for a good 15 years. So just being in that cycle was so destructive to my body. It was just like a big F you body, you know complete self-harm and so so my my big <laughs> I suppose my uh, work of, of course has then informed my company which is called Electric Women because my biggest vision for myself and therefore my vision for other women <laughs> by extension was to be able to get to a place of, place of like deep self-worth within myself peace within my body and to feel yeah just to feel whole not like a head and a body that was separate and also my mum I, I saw this I, my mum was a big part of my journey because she is this amazing inspiring successful woman 
and I seem to attract really amazing, successful women to work with. And I think I just was surrounded by them growing up. But what I saw with my mum is she she came home from work after working really long days to then coming home and like getting on the scales every day after work to almost like needing a scale to show her that she's okay. It was it was just this kind of, I saw growing up that you've got these inspiring women, but they're just, they come home and I don't know, it was like, it was all about her weight that really sort of defined how valuable she was when it came down to it. And so, yeah, I've, 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 when I met you, my love, I, I remember, you know, I, yeah, I, I remember meeting Sandra, you know, in, at a time when I was like, right, I need to grow my business. I'm, I'm a coach. I need to grow my business and I need to be really successful. So I went on this course, leadership course that we both know so well. And that was my objectives there. And I remember it saying on this leadership course, what do you want to get from the course? And I was like, well, build my business, get really rich. Um, but um, I, ideally, I would like to release my eating disorder and, and actually love my body, but that will never happen. And that course was the catalyst to help me start that healing journey with my body. And I remember there was this one exercise where we, had, we all had to do something that would really kind of take our leadership to the next level in front of, we all had to like go onto this kind of stage, like an open mic night, uh, it was called. And in that moment when, you know, we, we talked about, you know, when, when the leader said, go and do something that's going to really challenge you, I decided to go in front of the group of 30 people and just remove my clothes very slowly. <laughs> it wasn't a striptease. It was a very intentional, like, this is my body. And I got this woman, amazing woman, to shine a torch down all areas of my body, especially the areas that I hated the most. And as I kept eye contact with the people in our leadership group, and it was probably my biggest, most amazing peak experience of my life, actually. Just at the time, I was probably about 30 pounds, 40 pounds bigger than I am now. I felt overweight and uncomfortable in my body and cellulite was all over. But I just felt so free in that moment. And I just, what I, my mission, I suppose, with my own life and other women is to feel that sense of freedom where we're not so imprisoned by these ideals and real negative behavior. So what you're speaking to, what the first thing it brought up for me is, and I think this is, apparently we're promoting Brene Brown today. So, but I, I want to say that she says something like the shame or the antidote to shame is vulnerability. So for anyone who's not familiar, she's written many books and a um, huge fan of her work, but she started doing a, a ton of research around shame. And I think through her research, one of her big takeaways was that vulnerability is like, it's the answer or is the key or is the medicine. Mm -hmm. And so much of what you're describing in your journey is exactly that. It's this like, con not just, not just um, judgment about your body. Like, oh, I wish this part was a slightly different, or I wish I was a little thinner, or I wish this. It's like, so if we think about the difference between guilt and judgment, guilt being like, oops, I did a bad shame being like, I am bad. And there's so much of what happens with our relationships with our bodies, body image, body love, the messaging that we grow up with, it gets collapsed with our self-worth. And it's like, it's not just like, oh, you should look a different way. It's you, sh you are bad because you don't look this way. And what you're describing in that exercise, which I remember so well, and it was so powerful. I'm pretty sure I was just sobbing hysterically the whole time witnessing you but it's just 
you take something that is shame and when you have the courage to shine a light on it and to share it in a safe space like that, and especially to be witnessed by people who are just like holding you with unconditional love and openness and like celebrating you, it's as if the shame starts to, I mean, it's not like it just disappears in an instant. I think for most of us, it's going to be a process, but it's like it can start to dissipate and like melt away and then kind of be replaced by something different, which could be a little bit of healing. It could be connection. It could be intimacy. It could be that feeling of like, I love the the word intimacy broken down into into me, you see, or into me see. And it's like, when you see, I remember sitting in the audience there and just witnessing Nikki in her power in that. And it was like, those are the moments where I just fall in love with people the most. When I first met her, I remember she was one of the first people I noticed in our group. And I was just like, holy fuck, this woman is striking. Like she's tall, she's gorgeous. She's just like, she looks like she has like an angelic glow about her. And so the things that I first noticed were some of your physical features, which were very striking. And I noticed this like presence that you had, but I was also, you know, I was kind of falling in love with the version of you that you were presenting to the world, which at that time was very polished. You know, you had this beautiful British accent and I was like, ah, she's so like, so I was there. I'm pretty sure I wore just like yoga pants and a t-shirt for the entirety of that whole 10 month program. And Nikki was there with just like the most amazing, fun, funky clothes. And I just remember being like, ah, oh, she's so sophisticated and cool and beautiful. And here she's this like cool business. Well, you had your business already. I had, hadn't started my business yet. And so I would looked up to you and I was like, ah, oh. but so I kind of like fell in love with the image you were presenting, which was a part of you, but it was more and more as I saw you strip away those parts that were real, but that were kind of the protected outer parts. And I saw the tender, vulnerable parts. And the more I saw, not just the parts of you where you held shame and self-judgment and insecurities, but especially when I saw you have the courage to stand there in them and reveal them to us and like, let us witness you and heal you. Like, those are the things that I think connect us so deeply to each other. And then being seen that way is one of the most amazing ways to start the healing process. Yes. Ah, I thank you so much for sharing that. I, I loved what you said about being seen when you're seen that way. And I think when you have the courage, as you said, to show yourself, you can't unshow yourself. You know, you have been seen. It's happening. Like the door is now open. You get to step inside and say yes to all the opportunities and things that start to come your way to heal yourself which they do, they come thick and fast as well. It's like, you're like, yep, do it, let's do it. And I even remember saying to you, you know, and this is really significant, Sandra, when when we were, we lost obviously lots of time together and you, at one point, you know, because you've got obviously the most insane body, you're so ripped <laughs> with your muscles and you're, you're, you're so fit and strong. And I was like, Sandra, I just want to swap bodies with you. You can take my body for a while and I'll have yours. And you can just work my body out and then give it back to me. <laughs> and you said, and I said, well, what would you do? No, I said, seriously, like, what would you do with my body? Like, how would you work it? How would you work out? And you, and you said to me, I would go into the ocean. I would swim. I would like dance in the forest. And I was like, uh, hold on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to say like, do these certain squats or, you know, this is how you need to do it with your body type. But actually, in that moment, you just gave me so much permission 
to think, how do I want to be in my body that would feel really good? And I started to do those things. I started to go dancing and swimming more and walking in the forest. And I just started to feel more and more connected to my body. And it, it felt like I didn't want to start stuffing it down with food. I wanted to like be in connection with it. I think so much of whether it's healing our relationships with our bodies, like in this case, or just, or with any other part of our life and ourselves or our minds or hearts or relationships, so much of it is like the, it's like a realization that we're, we're not listening to ourselves. We're listening to like the world and I'm saying the world in quotations, meaning like the expectations, the pressure and all of that. And so just, just that I think very common tendency to be like, what, what is it? What do I need to do? What am I supposed to do? Like what um, squats do I need to do to achieve X, Y, Z result? And it's like, yes, like in external guidance can be really helpful and inspiring and, and whatever, but like, are we actually listening to our own inner guidance too? And I think for so many of us, the dial on our internal guidance, our intuition, our wisdom is down to like negative five you know, or zero. And the dial on external pressure, especially parents' voices or peers or media or whatever, you know, choose your influence is at like a million. And so the process of starting to come back home to ourselves, which is literally the point of this entire podcast, it's called, oh, hi, self, <laughs> you know, bringing you back home to yourself, God damn it. But it's like, so much of that process is just turning the dials. It's turning the dial on the external down. It's saying a big fuck you to all the shoulds, all the supposed tos, all of what everybody else thinks until you can start to actually even hear the tiniest whisper of your own guidance. And that's not say, not to say that you should ultimately ignore everyone else and just be walking around doing your own thing all the time. Like there is a beautiful balance, but I think in the beginning, especially it's like, sometimes we have to like hit the mute button or turn it down just over and over and over and do whatever we can to try to access our internal guidance, which for so many of us, it's like, it's been like, it's been laying dormant for maybe decades. Like it is like crusty, <laughs> it's quiet. There's like layers of gunk on it and it can be a real process to try to get there and dig it up and excavate it. Absolutely. As we were talking about our, the body and our relationship with our, our bodies, and I, I just feel like my body was almost a portal. Healing my relationship with my body is, is a portal to help me access my intuition in, in such a bigger way. Like I remember the day after I did this, stripped my clothes off and revealed my cellulite covered body to an audience who sent back so much love to me and healing and that miraculous night I remember waking up the next day and just feeling sounds really cheesy but just feeling re reborn like feeling just new and fresh and I remember this woman touching my arm at breakfast and I felt like I, I'd been touched for the first time there was something really new in me that was just awoke and I and I remember like just getting my journal and writing what do I want you know, what do I want? And it's like, I, I want to feel this connected to myself. I want to be in nature more. I want, and I started like just writing, just allowing myself to, to tap into that deeper wisdom and go, what do I actually want? What do I not want? I don't, and at the time I was like, I was so tired of London as well. I'd lived in London for so long. And I was like, I don't want to live in London anymore. I need to be, I need to move to San Francisco. It was just all this clarity started coming. And it was just so powerful just to open up that channel and, and just go, right, let, let's do this and, and then have the courage to actually follow those desires. Would you be willing to share the difference between day one and day two of our workshop that we put on? 
and what happened. <laughs> so I guess to preface this, um, I'm just going to assume that I'm going to assume that's a yes. Yeah. Um, so to preface this, I want to say that the healing journey, it's not linear. And when we start to go in a direction and we start to grow and learn, I think one thing I encounter a lot, especially with clients is like this all or nothing journey where we're like, ah, okay, I've started my journey. And then you start going and then you face plant. And then you're like, oh, I didn't heal perfectly. I didn't do the growth journey perfectly. So fuck it. I'm going to give up. You know, it's like somebody who's starting a health journey. Like, you know, it's January 1st. Okay. I'm going to go to the gym every day and they go every day for 90 minutes. And then one day they're sick. So they don't go and they're like, oh, I failed. I guess I'll quit. You know? And it's like, no, it's like, it's always not a linear journey and it's going to be messy. And the sooner that we can accept that and embrace it and just allow that to be part of the integration of everything we're learning, the better. And, and so on this, like here you have this kind of awakening in this exercise, but it's not like everything was solved overnight. And from then on, suddenly disordered eating went away and suddenly you loved your body. And it was like, that was just the beginning of what has since then had many twists and turns. You speak the truth. I think it's so, I think it's such a dangerous almost just to think that like that, you know, you've awakened and you've followed your desires and that's, you know, you done like, nope. Never. <laughs> and and even now, you know, it, it's, it's this constant, you know, it, it will, it's always remember, it's always a remembering of your imperfect, beautiful soul. Like it, it's cause it's, it's always there. Anyway. Um, yes. Our workshop we did, I think we did that like maybe two or three months or four months after my, my kind of naked reveal. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah four months in you and I hosted this workshop in London it was I think it was both of our first workshop like it was our first ever workshop Um, and we I think there was like 12 women that came along it was called powerful women own it and it was amazing and all the women were great oh it's so good it's back in 2012 I think anyway and so day one was like releasing our kind of saboteurs and the critics and Anyway, I can't remember the exact content, but uh, what I remember um, on day one, I showed up again in this perfectionist place where, because it was my first workshops and I was, I was nervous and, and also, you know, doing all that healing work in a group of other people where it feels very safe and you're all on that same journey is, is very comforting, but it's, it's not like the real world. So going out into the real world and then bringing your kind of vulnerable electric you know, self into that world is like, oh shit, you shut down again. And you show up as the leader. So you have all these assumptions about, oh, I'm the leader. So I'm supposed to be this way. And I, I'm supposed to be the one with the knowledge and the wisdom and the guidance. And so I better have my shit together. Exactly. And I remember just like, you know, thinking about our introduction and what we're going to say. And, and I had every line memorized of the workshop on day one. And so I was really in my head and I was totally, I wasn't really massively focused on the other women. I was just like, how do I look? How am I showing up? What am I saying? It's all about me. And and I felt, it's just, I felt, yeah. You were very well put together too. You had like the perfect makeup and the perfect hair and like a really well thought out, fashionable outfit and just were, you looked like sophisticated, but like proper and, and put together. Yes. Yes, exactly. And I think inside, I was just very, 
insecure and and I wasn't allowing myself just to feel free I wasn't free at all and and I remember saying to you that night I I, I can't remember what I said if you can remember let me know but I just felt really insecure um about it all can you remember Mm But anyway, the the day after, I think you were just like you were reminding me, and you, I think you gave me a name. You called like we said, why don't we just go like get really messy? Let's get really imperfect and messy. And you came up with this nickname for me, like messy film star. Just go and be this fabulous, but be really messy with it. So I remember on day two, just sort of showing up, and I was wearing this kind of jumpsuit and like my boobs sort of fell out of my jumpsuit as I was talking. And I was like, oh, okay, well, of course it had, you know, and everyone else was sort of, it just, it gave, <laughs> I'm obviously wanting just to show everyone my body in this lifetime, I think. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, in whatever way they'll take it. Um, I'll have to get naked now. And um, anyway, but no, I just remember getting really messy and just physically and I threw my script away and I was like, just, you know, let's just roll with it in the moment. And it was so fun. It was so much fun to not be in that perfectionist, tight, needing to get it right leader that actually felt really insecure on the inside and just be myself. And it, and you were the best champion ever. I remember that morning at your flat as we were getting ready to, I remember you would like describe that you'd had maybe kind of like a a tough night and like there may have been like a chocolate incident involved and then maybe (laughs) feeling some feelings about that and just like having this kind of like, ah, fuck, like what did I do? Mm -hmm. And then we had this, I don't remember exactly the details, but we, I remember we just kind of had this conversation about it and like had a little mini meltdown together. And we're just like, I think we kind of collectively got so pissed off at the, just the deeply ingrained pressure to look a certain way, to be a certain way, to show up a certain way, this like desperate caring what people think and all this, like the inability that we, the the inability to really just fucking relax into who we are and be imperfect and be messy. And like, so we just had this, I don't even know. I feel like we like cried together and we're like, and like pep talked. And I remember at one point, just like grabbing you by the shoulders and looking you into the eyes. And I don't know what I said, but I was think I was trying to drop some clumsy truth bombs <laughs> into your soul at the moment of like, here you are this gorgeous, sophisticated woman, but that's not what we want. We want the, like the wild animal. We want the primal part of you. We want the, like the more messy you are, the more messy we all have permission to be and blah, blah, blah. And then you put on, yes, this, like, I think you were deciding between a couple different outfits and you put on this black jumpsuit and I was like, Oh yes, <laughs> that is the one. And you were like, I don't know, like my boobs are falling out. And we were like, yes, that is the point. And we like messed up your hair and we named you like messy film star. And that is exactly who showed up that day. And I think, I think I may have spent half the day just like staring at you whenever you were doing your sections and leading and just being like, holy shit, look at this woman showing up in her power with such fierceness and such like, I mean, it was like you were smoldering because you were relaxed into who you are. And that was so much cooler, so much more beautiful, so much all the things that we try so hard to be by being put put together. This was all of that like times a million because you were just in your natural essence. And I think that gave the other woman in the room so much permission to also just relax into their natural, wild, feminine essence. Oh, oh, your words are like balm, my love. It's just so good. (laughs) 
hear this and remember this and know that this is like the golden ticket for me, you know, I'm sure for many, many people as well. And I just, no matter what I've done in my career to date, like whenever I've had full permission just to get messy and free and say what I want and it, it does create so much magic and opens things up like nothing else and opens people up and you know it's yeah it's really just fun and it's free oh. and that brings me into um, another topic that I would love to hear your perspective and your story about which is let's call it like the topic of pleasure and specifically orgasm and specifically the journey, which I think is quite familiar. And um, again, very complicated for so many women, especially around basically giving ourselves permission to not just like permission to climax, but permission to feel things and to go at our own pace and to be like to cultivate an ability to receive and ask for what we want. And I know I'm saying like 10 different things, but I'm thinking about you specifically and your journey with Mama Gina. I've mentioned Mama Gina on the podcast before, just kind of fleetingly, but I think she is uh, such a great leader in the space of pleasure um, and women's journeys with a lot. Like I think of when I was saying before, like we, we, our inner guidance has been laying dormant for so many of us for like decades. And I think our, for so many women, our connection to our own pleasure has been not, not just like dormant for a couple de decades. It's been like frozen in the glaciers for like generations, you know? And so for a lot of women, it's like literally it's, it's, it's as if your body is starting to thaw and it does not happen overnight for a lot of women. It's going to take weeks, months, years, depending on how intensely you're working on it to potentially even get to a place where you can like access it without freezing up and being rigid and judging it and putting pressure on ourselves to perform and all of that. So what would you be willing to share about that part of your life story? Yeah. I mean, coupled with me shutting down my body was me shutting down me feeling like I deserved pleasure because I just didn't think I genuinely did deserve pleasure because I sort of hated myself in my, you know, in those quite formative years. And my first relationship, my first sexual relationship was actually really great because it was just innocent and free. And, and then he cheated on me and it just brought up issues of my dad cheating on my mum. And I just had this, I, I sort of, I, I, I think I just closed down and, um, <sighs> I, I just, I had quite surface level sex for probably a decade of my life. And I did, I found that really difficult because I just never orgasmed really. Um, I always faked it. Um, the female orgasm is this magical, <laughs> is this, is this magical gift that we've been given. And like you say, like Mama Gina says, it's just, we just like, we don't either understand it or know it or like I used to watch a lot of porn and I saw that male orgasm was someone described this once as like this the male orgasm is this like mountain peak where they sort of go up and then they go down and they climax and that's it um, whereas the female orgasm is this like meandering river and you just like it takes a while to sort of build up energy and then it gets a big current and then the current slows down and I was like whoa my mind was blown because I just thought like porn films I just had to like climax in three minutes and scream my way through it and and I just that's that was like my 20s sex I just 
thought I needed to be a porn star and my vagina didn't look like a porn star's vagina. Like I had quite long labia. Do I want that to be in the podcast? I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. I, I do as well. And one of them is like two to three times the length of the other one, which is most of my friends know because I talk about that very openly. I like joke about it, like I'm going to, you know, tie it around my shoulders. <laughs> Me too. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, and I, and you just think, you just, you look at it and you think, oh, like you don't get to see many women's vaginas on display like you do, mate. like you can't see a vagina like you can a penis because a penis is very obvious. The vagina is inside of us we can't really see it so I just felt a lot of again shame around my vagina and I didn't really want men to go down on me and I just thought oh okay I'll give him a quick blowjob and then we'll go on to sex and as long as he's come then I'll have succeeded and as long as like my boobs are really good and my tummy's tucked in and you know I'll, I'll have succeeded in sex and ha- therefore no orgasm and no satisfaction and me going home and binging my face off you know, because I'm so fucking unfulfilled and not getting what I deeply need and what, so, oh, there's a lot of energy around this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, I'm, I'm just thinking about the people, women especially, who might be listening to this and just nodding because it's so relatable. So relatable. Yeah. And so I <clears throat> moved to San Francisco I felt like called to, because I'd done this kind of opening up my body and feeling more connected to myself. I was like, I need, I can't not connect to my sexuality and explore this path uh, because it's so, I feel so shut down in this area. And so I came across this, um, this company that's had some bad press, but the practice is, so it's one taste is the the company, but they've rebranded to orgasmic. Anyway, the practice of orgasmic meditation and um, it probably was the biggest, most powerful thing, practice that I've ever done. It it actually helped me open up to the truth of myself. So that this practice is where it's a partnered practice where you have to lie. the, The woman lies on the yoga mat and opens up her legs, butterflies her legs open and then her partner, male or female, strokes the upper left-hand quadrant of her clitoris for 15 minutes. And I remember going into this this One Taste company and saying I want to try it. And um, this guy called Eli uh, said he could do orgasm meditation, do do an ohm with me. And I remember going down to this basement, lying on a yoga mat, butterfly my legs open while this guy, Eli, stroked my clitoris for 15 minutes. And I was like, what the fuck am I doing? And I just, I, I tried to imagine that I was in uh, having a smear test or something at the doctor's and just like, I'm not, I, what am I doing? You know? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I remember just saying to him at the end, I was like, uh, thanks a lot. Um, and then just leaving. <laughs> um, and I remember getting the bus back up to the, where I was living in San Francisco, um, feeling mortified. My, my, my mind, I was like mortified, but my body was like, thank you. Thank you. I just, and over the following days, I just felt like excitement in my body. And like, there's this, there's this kind of aliveness that started to wake up in me that, wow, like my, my, my pussy, my, my, 
my orgasm, I'm starting to give it some attention and someone gets to stroke my clitoris for 15 minutes, which I had to go on this big journey of just, you know, actually, you know, even at the beginning, I felt like I almost felt sad for the man that had to stroke my clitoris because I thought that it would smell or it looked weird or he probably didn't want to or I don't get to have this or it's taking too long or I need to climax or all these thoughts that were going through my mind. And I just had to like this beautiful practice of gas meditation just allowed me to be with those thoughts and just let them go and breathe through them and then focus on my, my, my orgasm. As I started to focus more on my, what I was feeling and the sensations in my body and my clitoris and what was opening up in me, I just started to feel more like, I don't know, just um, energized and uh, yeah, like my, my body was coming alive again. It was my body coming alive, but it, it was this aliveness and, and I, it was so vulnerable, talking about vulnerability and Brené Brown, it was so vulnerable to lie there with my legs open and, and have a man straight my clitoris 15 minutes. That was the most vulnerable thing to receive pleasure and just to receive and I didn't have to give him a blowjob afterwards. I didn't have to stroke his cock for 15 minutes. It, that was it. And it was this very safe practice where that was it. And, it. and this practice was all entirely devoted to the female orgasm. It wasn't about men's orgasm and it wasn't about needing to perform anything or having to climax. I could just lie there and receive and be exactly how I was. And that was enough. And it was so amazing. And so I lived in this community, this orgasm meditation community um, for a year. And I practiced this for probably two years of my life. And um, I just, I felt, yeah, it was, it was um, my, all my beliefs around men, around my body, around orgasm, around who I was a sexual woman just started to change. And I started to feel, yeah, just like myself, like a woman should feel without all the conditioning of all the stuff we have to face, you know. Just the act of removing the pressure to perform, whether it be the pressure to climax or the pressure to um, act a certain way, sound a certain way, look a certain way. Like I think the conditioning that comes from, I mean, certainly watching porn, but even if, even for someone who hasn't watched porn specifically, just movies and the tiny bits that we grow up with, like the, the, the messaging around this is what a woman is supposed to look like and sound like and act like in the act of sex. And again, the like, you know, and it takes three minutes or three, three seconds. And then she's screaming hysterically. And oh my God, it was amazing. That has done, I think, so much damage and held so many people back from actually getting to experience pleasure without the pressure. And of course, then the taking the pressure off that extends to so many other parts of our lives too. I think a huge part of um, what I see really opens things up for my clients and and people around me is when we start to take the fucking pressure off in anything that we're doing and the pressure to perform and look a certain way and act a certain way and get there by a certain pace. And it's like the the act of learning, training our bodies, training our minds, training our bodies, especially training our nervous systems to like slow down and relax, remove the pressure and just kind of sink into the present moment and sink into whatever's happening in our body. Like even just training the skill of feeling feelings in our body and feel, especially feeling sensations in the, any sort of a 
pleasure context too. Like we've been rushing so quickly past that. Like, I don't think that we're taught to honor this absurdly complex and amazing power center. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just when we do, when we do acknowledge this power center, it, it, it's like, um, I remember someone saying to me, you know, where do you feel your intuition in your body? And I always used to feel it in my, in my vagina. Like I always used to feel like if ever I were to say, you know, what, what do I really want? And, or, or what's next? Or, and I couldn't, I couldn't get there. I, I would like go, okay, pussy. Okay. What do you want? And it's like, Oof, and there was just this fire and this power and this, this voice of my, my, this deep feminine power within me, just like, I want this. And there was no apology though. It was just like this very kind of the, the center of our fucking, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> said I'm that. pretty sure we already have hundreds of times. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it is. It's just, it's just, I, I think what I want for women is that we get to speak and name our desires really clearly with ourselves and with other people. And I think the source of our desire is in our pussies, you know, it's just like you, you can, you, what do you, but it's in our pussies when we're not shutting it down. It's when we start to open it up and treat it beautifully and listen to, you know, and, and just actually ask it, what does it want? It just, mm. It's like often it might say things that we don't want to hear or, or that our ego or our mind doesn't want to hear, but it's like the truth. And that's what Mama Gina does so well. She, I've been to her mastery course, her School of Womanly Arts in New York, which is amazing. And, you know, she got tw- a thousand women, 1200 women, you know, like naked in the room, just dancing. And like, what does our, the whole course was like, what does your, like communicate with your pussy and what does your pussy want to tell you and be like, let her be the leader of you. That's essentially her, (laughs) her work really. For anyone who's listening to this and uh, is feeling curious or interested about such things, a great resource and place to start is Mama Gina's book, which is called Pussy. It's like pussy. uh, What is it? A a reclamation of something or other. Um, Her name is Regina Thomas Hauser. She goes by Mama Gina. Great book, by the way, to buy in like paperback and then carry around and read in public (laughs) just because it says pussy in big block letters on the front, which is super fun. But one that's one of the things that she talks about a lot in the book is she shares her own journey. She talks a lot about different practices that she recommends for getting more in touch with her own desires and how to incorporate more pleasure into our lives. And by the way, pleasure doesn't have to be about having an orgasm. Pleasure doesn't have to be about sexual anything. Pleasure can just be, I think of pleasure more as like using our senses, which I think as women, especially we're taught to like ignore, <laughs> not just ignore our sexual pleasure, but, but ignore pleasure because we're too busy, you know, out there achieving or trying to look a certain way or act a certain way or whatever it is that we're supposed to be doing. But the more that we slow down, like I, it's kind of impossible, I think, to tap into pleasure without being present. So by focusing on pleasure, it's a way to be present by being present. We give ourselves access to pleasure and by tapping into our senses, our five senses, that's one way to, I think, start to cultivate like a, just even awareness of like, we are surrounded by opportunities for pleasure in every moment. We just are so unpracticed, I think. Like I was thinking even just morning. So I, uh, this morning I took a walk and I had my coffee that I made and I was walking and I was listening to a podcast, which is one of my favorite, most pleasurable practices is just walking 
in my neighborhood listening to a podcast. I'm looking for all the neighborhood cats. When I find them, I like snuggle them if they'll come to me. <laughs> like it's, I get so much joy and pleasure out of just coffee, podcast, walking cats. This morning I saw a fox in the neighborhood. I was like, <gasps> I paused and I was like, filming it. I was saying hi to it. And like these little moments of what we see and, and like smelling my coffee and hearing the birds and the, those little simple joys, the more we can actually pause and embrace them, like it adds so much color and richness to our day-to-day life. So let's say if you're someone who maybe is curious about this kind of journey, maybe you're not ready to go into like orgasmic meditation or some of the more vulnerable, deeper practices. If you just want to start to thaw a little bit of that rigidity that we get so conditioned with, it's like getting present using your senses, tapping into pleasure, like sitting with a soft, cozy blanket, you know, having a warm beverage, listening to music you really love. Those simple practices, I think, can help us connect in and get started on that journey. Completely. I I uh, know this amazing woman called Tristana. And for me, she's like this total pleasure queen. Um, and I remember meeting her and, and I was in this very workaholic busy, time-poor, achievement-focused, like just striving place and I was just running around everywhere and you know and, and I remember live she was actually living with me in this community and my room was just like bare and I had this wooden chair in it and a bed and like I had a suitcase on the floor with clothes and then I went into her bedroom and she had these like red draped curtains and all these perfume bottles she'd been gifted and she she was just she walked around in this kimono and she just walked really slowly and she had her hair in her face and people would just make cups of tea for her in the morning and she would just go in and she would sit down completely unrushed and just like be so present with the person she was talking to and you felt so happy to have Tristana's attention and she just it was she oozed this kind of oh this pleasure and and it just it felt like her life just felt so much more colorful and rich and I just envied it so much. And she was, she's always been a real inspiration for me whenever I feel in that kind of exhausted, burnt out place where I'm just not prioritizing pleasure in any way, <laughs> you know? So I hear you on that one. And it's so easy to, even if we are in some sort of practice around that, or if, it, if it's a big part of our lives, it's really easy to forget and get caught up in, you know, the grind and the hustle. So what would you say, like, I know with you, um, what's the, the name of your workshop that you do sometimes, the Sexual Sovereign? Yeah, so it's called Sovereignty and Seduction. Sovereignty and Seduction. Even just the way it sounds coming out of our mouths is like, it sounds so sensual. Um, but I'm just thinking of like, what are some simple practices? Um, we're all about practical tools on this podcast. So what are some either practices or tools or like little things that people can do to tap more into pleasure or presence or being connected to their own soft power or however you would describe that? My favorite things to do that always help me reconnect to my 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 pleasure and my that soft power I, I love that term soft power uh, the first thing I always say is is do a desire list write down my, my someone the, the first time I ever got to do a desire list someone said write down 50 desires and I was like oh I, I can only think of five um but it, it really encouraged me to go okay well I want to have a bath with rose petals in it or I want to have a massage or I want to someone to sort of touch my face 
and like I want to be told that I'm loved by someone or I want to have real intimacy with someone or whatever it was or I want to have like 10,000 pounds in my bank account put in like tomorrow you know it could be anything but so start writing a, a desire list just to get really clear about sort of what you want, what would make you feel good, not just what you want externally, but what, what would make you feel really good. And then I also think, uh, especially for, well, for both men and women, but especially for women, like just regular masturbation, um, you know, and just really like making it into this lovely ritual, not just sort of a quick thing to climax, but actually to get some coconut oil and just to have an evening where we just sort of close our eyes and we're in bed and we just sort of massage our stomach or our breasts or we just, you know, we just stroke ourselves. And it doesn't even have to be for a climax, but just this really intentional kind of honoring of our of our incredible bodies. Yeah, I, I think I'll steal this from Mama Gina because I do love it, which she always says like, um, make, a, make a night where you go on a date with yourself. And you you run that bath and you put the rose petals in it and you you treat you know you imagine like a a, a king or a queen is coming to stay what would you do for them and then do that for yourself you know just just some real like real self yeah worshiping <laughs> what well, basically worship yourself would be my <laughs> how can you worship yourself today would be a good place to start which just it's like learning a new language to tune into our desires. I think there can be for some folks, a resistance that comes up when we are like, well, what do you want? And you, when, when you actually, when you ask someone, what do you want? No, what do you actually, no, what do you actually really want? There can be fear and resistance around even saying some of those things out loud for a lot of reasons. Number one, we're afraid that if we claim that we want something that we won't get it and then we'll be disappointed. Or if we say it out loud and other people hear it and then we don't get it, we're going to look like an idiot. And we're, so there's all these reasons where like, if I, if I'm not guaranteed to have it, I don't dare to say it because of how I think I'll feel the disappointment, the shame, the guilt, whatever. Um, and then I also think there's, there's just this, like a fear of, um, being self-absorbed, a fear of being arrogant, a fear of being egotistical and cocky. And it's like, it's understandable that where I think that comes from, because we've seen a lot of examples of uh, people showing up that way, which ironically, usually arrogance is not actually someone who's full of themselves and full of love. It's usually just an insecurity that anyway, that's a whole nother story, but it's like learning the language of desire, learning to even just give ourselves permission to pause for a hot second and consider what do I want? Mm-hmm. let alone make a desires list of 50 things, which can be a really cool exercise and stretch. But so it's like giving yourselves permission is one thing, actually starting to listen to that and identify desires. And for somebody who's like, well, oh, I tried that. It didn't work. Just know that it can take a while. You know, it is like, you don't learn a new language overnight. You have to keep revisiting and you practice saying the words and you practice writing it and you practice hearing it and you practice hearing yourself say it. And you practice talking to other people who are speaking the same language if you are surrounded by maybe family or friends who are not into that and who are living in a, you know, just like the usual, like the shoulds and the conditioning, this achievement paradigm where everything is go, 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 you know, um, achieve, 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 look better than everyone else, comparison, competition, all of that. Like if you're surrounded by that and you walk out into the world and you start trying to speak the language of desire, it might not land with people and you might get shut down. So I think it can be helpful to find other people who are willing to go there with you. 
And then there's something really powerful and magical about being witnessed in your desires. Like one of my favorite things is listening to what people want and what their dreams are and having them listen to mine where we don't bring any of the typical stuff. Like if you share a dream with someone, it's so common where a family or a friend really well-intentioned will be like, basically pat you on the head and be like, okay, (laughs) yeah, that's not going to happen. You're crazy. But to be met with somebody who's like, yes, I see that for you. I want that for you. Or even like, it doesn't matter if you get it or not, but I honor that that desire is present for you and with you. And here's my desire. And then we can celebrate that and witness it. And it just like, I'm like doing a motion with my shoulders or I'm like, it's like we get to relax into and honor this part of us. That's just real. Well, I think what you've just said is so crucial because one of the phrases I love is, is raw truth or just really sharing your truth and, and finding people like you were saying, just to share your truth with who get it is the best thing in the world. Um, Cause that it's like what, you know, we did with our workshop. If you can have that conversation in the morning and go, fuck, like I'm having a really hard time. I need to be perfect, but I'm so insecure inside. And you can share that. It just, it takes away all the power of the, whatever it is, the fear or the doubt or the, you know, so just sharing a raw truth is, is crucial. But also just going back to Mama Gina one last time, I, I think, you know, she talks about the matriarchy, you know, and I actually read this book, which is really cool. It was, um, it's called Whores in History. And it's by a woman called Nikki Roberts. And it's a book that's like, you can't really, Anyway, look it up if you're interested. But it talks about the the matriarchy like 25,000 years ago. It says that women were revered as goddesses and that um, men, you know, people used to go on pilgrimage to like drink the juices of a woman's pussy and that was the holy elixir to enlightenment and all this stuff. And like we've lost, like that is, (laughs) what? Is that really, you know... It, it, it just feels so far away and it feels like if if we can learn the language of desire and we can prioritize our pleasure and we can know that our orgasms are the holy elixir, um, then, you know, I, I would rather my daughters see that in me. I would love them to fucking see that in me. Like that's the freedom where of, 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 and it's almost like that's the, the time when we can cut the cord of like we're we have to be perfect and we have to caretake everyone else and we have to do all this stuff as good women and we have to fuck, 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 blah, blah, blah. It's just like we get to be, to just do it our way and do something different. And so for all the rebels out there and all the people this is resonating with, do it, please. Not just for yourself, but for the next generations and just let them see this kind of more feminine, free, sexual, sensual open example of what it is to be you know to be in in your woman to be a woman in your turn on in your turn on I love that phrase I'm um what's the quote I'm so really good at butchering quotes um the one I'm thinking of is like I want to say it's like a Howard uh Howard Thurman or whatever where it's like what the world like go go out and find what makes you come alive because what the world needs is people who have come alive and it's almost like you could rephrase that and say what the world needs is women who are in their turn on. And just to, to, I think I'm maybe, maybe that's a mama Gina phrase or wherever it's coming from someone who's in their turn on isn't necessarily turned on sexually, which is I think the way we'd use it yeah. in modern society, but like in your turn on to me means you might actually be sexually turned on, but more than anything, you're, you're connected in 
you're in your power, you're aware, you're present in your body. There's like an aliveness. Like to me, a woman who's in her turn on is like exactly like your friend that you were describing where she's like, not that you have to like float around slowly in the world in a kimono, but you, you see it. It's a presence in people. It's like, you can see it in their, their eyes are sort of wide. There's like a stillness. It's like a calm, grounded confidence. They don't, they're not out there trying to prove anything. They just are because they don't have anything to prove because they are in their body. They're in their power. They're in like the present moment. And there's this like crackling kind of fire that you can almost feel within them that's smoldering. And it's like, they become radiant and vibrant as a result of it. I'm like, that's what the world needs. And it's not about, you know, better or worse. It's not about the feminine being replacing the masculine. It's not about, you know, I know people talk a lot about like dismantling the patriarchy. And I think there are a lot of old outdated systems that need to come to the end of their time and be rebuilt in different ways. But I think I'm, I'm thinking back to actually a conference that we both went to, which I forget the name of now, but it was, you were there as an attendee and I was um, there as a volunteer several years ago in San Francisco. And there was this one woman, I forget who it was, somebody was on sp- stage, maybe giving a keynote and she was holding out her arms to the side. And she was like, think of the masculine and the feminine as an eagle. Like we for a long time have been our society for however many hundreds of years has been dominated by the masculine. And it's like, we've been flying with one wing and we are not saying, you know, this isn't about like feminism tearing down the masculine and, you know, it's all like women ruling the world from here. Um, It's more about, she's like, we're not trying to replace the masculine with the feminine. We're just trying to have the feminine catch up so that we can be, you know, so that we can soar like eagles with, with balance. And we just have some work to do to get the feminine to catch up to the masculine and to balance it out. And again, to, to clarify, we're not talking about men versus women. We're talking about the feminine and masculine energies, which are present in all genders. We all have masculine. We all have feminine. I think organizations, structures, cultures, societies have both energies and both are important and both are potent. And when they work together and when there's a balance and like a play and a, and a, and a back and forth, that's when shit gets done in a really healthy, positive, supportive, <laughs> empowering kind of way. Damn right to that. <laughs> Brene Brown was at that conference and she was giving, she was doing a, what was it? It was like a talk. I think she and Elizabeth Gilbert were um, doing like a casual, they were sitting in chairs and, and chatting about their books or whatever. And I happened to be, I'd been manning like the, the, like the, the check-in counter or something. And then when they went on stage, another staffer was like, Hey, why don't you go in and listen? Um, I'll take over the registration. So I went in and then another person was like, Hey, let, let's put you over in this section. And then I happened to be to the left of the stage, stage right for you theater nerds. And, um, and then someone was like, Oh, Hey, will you just, will you go up and hand this pillow to Brene Brown for her chair? And I was like, (sighs) so I got to go on stage. I didn't touch her hand or anything, but I handed her a pillow. And then I was like, I just shared a stage with Brene Brown and Elizabeth Gilbert, (laughs) my main memory from that conference. But anyway, just, um, that was kind of the, the segue into, into feminine leadership that I wanted to make sure to also touch on since that is an area where you put some focus to like what, what is feminine leadership to you and why do we need it? How do we do it? Well, (laughs) we need Um, help. (laughs) For me, feminine leadership is, is really like tapping into our deeper feminine wisdom. So it is about our leading from our intuition, leading from our heart. Um, I'm actually doing, um, I'm hosting of co-hosting this retreat in a couple of weeks it's it's called come o visionary one like so o visionary one but it's, it's really getting this this count like this 
this council of women together, this visionary council of women together, daring to dream, daring to dream of a reality that's, that's, that just, it feels like it's almost like what, what humanity is craving. Um, and I think that the beauty of feminine leadership is it, it is that other eagle arm that isn't about just about, you know, the masculine is amazing. I've lived in the masculine most of my life and I've done very well. And I'm basically, you know, just enjoyed masculine a lot. Yeah. Masculine gives us a lot of structure. It helps us get things done, take action, make progress. Like it's great. Yeah. yeah. As long as it doesn't go too far into the um, toxic <laughs> side of the masculine, yeah, indeed. which indeed. can be very unhelpful. But the feminine is, is like, you know, it's that bigger picture, visionary, like what, what does, you know, but there's, I've actually got a book here on my desk. It's called, um, the more beautiful world our hearts know is possible. I just love that title. Um, by Charles Eisenstein. You know, I think the fem- feminine leadership is is like, I think it is that visionary energy that can think about, well, what do we, you know, what's what's needed? Um, what what needs healing? What What is, whenever I think about a feminine, like a really powerful feminine leader, I always think about like, you know, Michelle Obama or, you know, Oprah. Or, I mean, there are some classic ones. There's lots of different types of, leaders but I I just I love their how kind of I don't know that they're just so commanding and it's their presence and they're so you know they they talk about the things that really matter I I just I I feel like it's getting to the heart of what really matters and and just being really vulnerable and saying that almost like we don't know how to do it individually. I think we've, we always think that individually we have to solve everything. We have to earn all the money and make our families work. I have two small children and living in a house with my husband and two small children over COVID, over my husband's redundancies, over my mum's, his mum's death. Like it's been hardcore, but we think we just have to sort it all out ourselves. Like just keep going. And that, that for me, so feminine leadership just feels also like community and how do we lean into community and say, I'm drowning, help, and have other people in, in our community like hold us and lift us up. And it just, it, it feels, feminine leadership and it just feels like it's, I don't know, it just feels like what, what we're all really wanting more of, um, heart, <laughs> connection, community, being a little bit more visionary, acting on our intuition, being turned on, you know, like receiving. I do a lot of work with my clients all about visualizing like their electric woman. So your electric woman is like your most kind of wise self, <laughs> essentially. And and so it's really getting into that deeper wisdom and going, what, like, guide me, guide my work, guide my community, guide my work in the world. I think that for me feels like the feminine. Amen to all of that. I think it's needed. I think it's coming. And I really appreciate you being one of the ones, uh, I was going to say who is coming (laughs) among one of the ones who is also coming, uh, but who is bringing in more and more of feminine leadership and soft power and sovereignty and seduction and sexuality and intimacy and connection and all of these things, mm. which I really do believe that in the collective, we, we are craving it. We, some of us are very consciously craving it and asking for it and trying to build it. And I think also a lot of others are not conscious of it, but there's a, there's a craving for something. 
that they might not know what it is, that this could very well be like part of what, what fills that void and what connects people to this like power source that makes our life experience so much richer. Want to just add, Sandra, that the the soft power, we've mentioned that phrase a couple of times um, in the podcast, but for me, my definition of soft power is it's like coming into a place of softness within ourselves and uh, like softening the hard edges of our conditioning or just sort of coming into that softer, more vulnerable, surrendered place, uh, which is also fucking powerful. Like, and acting from that place, it just feels like that is what, you know, I just, I would love to see more people cut, being a little bit softer and more real and raw in themselves. And, and I suppose that's what all of our work's about. So. And it is, it is hard out there to sometimes introduce that to people because we have such conditioning around softness equals weakness and power equals control over or domination or like manipulation, like a leader is supposed to control people or a leader is supposed to tell people what to do. And to me, everything you're describing about soft power is that it's a, it's just as potent, if not way more powerful than the kind of old paradigm type of power, which is like a striving and an efforting and a need to prove and like ego driven. And like, I am only powerful if I can, you know, subdue these people and make them do what I want. Whereas soft power is like, that's the kind of power I want to follow that's the kind of power I want to be led by, to co-lead with, to like the kind of visionary leader who is leading with that kind of soft power. I'm like, swear, like sign me up, put me in coach. I'm like, I'm with you. I will be beside you. I will just like enroll me in your vision so I can like fight with you by your side towards this greater thing that is better for all of us versus um, I think there are many examples out in the world of pretty shitty leadership that we see all around us. I hear story after story after story from client, many of whom work in corporate, who talk about their bosses. And it's like their bosses are like the bane of their existence. It's like most of the 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 tension and the struggle they face most days is the dynamic between a boss and the boss's team. And it's like, I think there is a huge need for and a huge gap in our culture for this kind of leadership that is more inclusive, it's more collaborative, it's more creative, it's the kind of leadership and power that invites people instead of being above them and looking down on them, which includes so much like patronizing, condescending, just shitty energy. And it's like this kind of leadership and power and set soft power instead is the kind where you're like, that person is inviting people to rise up and meet them. And if anything, empowering them to move beyond picturing somebody who's like on a ledge, they reach down, they pick up whoever is like wanting to join them up onto the ledge and then they help, they like put them on their shoulders and and encourage them to rise even higher. It's like, I want you to succeed beyond me and rise and, and go past me. I'm not trying to like climb on top of your head and push you down. And I think it's so desperately needed and it's going to be a part of our collective just healing within organizations, within families, in romantic partnerships, in friendships, like we need it. So thank you for the work that you do. Wow, my love. That was amazing. I could just listen to you all day. <laughs> I'm so glad you're so glad you're doing this podcast. <laughs> so good. Just your voice and your contribution is really amazing. I appreciate you. Um before we kick off and um I don't I'm not sure what I mean by that kickoff. Before we before we 
jump off before we kick off our days, your night. Um, and before we tell people where to find you and all that jazz, I would love to maybe can we end by doing a little like popcorn style, just desires exploration, like a like what, you know, just back and forth, like what just list off some of your desires just to um, hopefully give our listeners maybe some examples of what it might look like to just name and own and claim some of your desires. They could be how you want to feel, things you want to achieve, things you want to have, be, do. Are you down? I would like to counter offer you. Ooh. What's really powerful is if, um, so if you were to say, Nikki, what's the desire you, what, tell, t- give me a desire, tell me your desire. And then I'll say my desire, you say, thank you. Then I say, Sandra, tell me your desire. And then mm. you say, and we just bounce off each other just for, for a minute or so and see what comes. Cause it's really, it's fun to do it with someone as well. <laughs> yes. Okay. So this is, so we are modeling for you listener an exercise that you can do with a friend or partner. And what, when Nikki said, let me counter offer, I just want to, I want to pause on that, that um, construct that like communication tool. It's something I really appreciate is the, is making, so you like calling it like making it a power, make it, make a powerful request. So you ask for something you want, or you suggest something. And I think in our conditioning, we're like afraid to say no. And we often say yes to something, even though we kind of maybe want something different and like boundaries are complicated and stuff. And one of my favorite ways to have really clean and clear communication is to make a powerful request. And then the other person can say yes, they can say no, or they can counter offer with something similar, but different. And so Nikki just did that so perfectly. So I wanted to highlight that because I think it's a great thing we can use in our communication with our people. Um, You're like, can I counter offer? And here's what I suggest instead. So I'm like, yes. Um, Okay. So why don't you, so you, I will kick this up. You ask me. Okay. Sandra, tell me your desire, a desire. So one of my desires is to host and lead beautiful retreats. I'm picturing in places like Tulum, Mexico, and in Ibiza. Um, some of these I hope to be leading, co-leading with you, especially the one in Ibiza in the future around um, like lifestyle design and manifestation specifically and stepping into our power, um, like, like five to seven day retreats that are completely transformational and where the people, the attendees walk away feeling like they've just been deeply changed on like a cellular level. Wow. Oh, thank you. I mean, <laughs> thank you. And whoa. <laughs> <laughs> now you say, tell me your desire. Nikki, tell me one of your desires. <sighs> My desire is to feel really peaceful and deeply connected in my relationship with my husband, where we communicate really kindly towards each other. And we just remember why we're together. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And I um, want that for so many other people too, as I'm like whispering into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do we do one more round or is that, yeah? Yeah. So Sandra, tell me one of your desires. So another desire that feels very alive for me lately is, um, y'all know I love to dance and something that I've been thinking about lately is, um, and I've talked about it, but I haven't done it yet. So it's to go to Zumba classes. And I always kind of like giggle when I talk about it, because I think I have this assumption that people think that Zumba is like really cheesy. And it's like only like weird old ladies that do it. And none of that matters. I've done it a few times. I went to like Zumba and Bali and I've been in San Francisco. And every time I've gone, maybe only three or four times ever, 
I literally walk in and within the first few seconds of the first song, I basically start crying and I cry for the entire 60 minute class. And what I love about Zumba is that it's like easy to follow. It's easy choreography, but you do all these different amazing um, Latin dance steps. And I had a Latin dance teacher one time who was like, Zumba is not dance. She was like really offended, (laughs) but I'm like, that's okay. I love it anyway. And I've been saying I want to go. And I got as far as writing down all of the local classes and the times and the days and where to go. And so one of my desires like soon in the next week or two is to actually go to class and like have my cry at the back of the room (laughs) and go and then um, hopefully go more often. Hmm, Thank you. Nikki, what is one of your desires? Just to say, if you are doing this with someone, um, it's good actually not to have, uh, it's almost good not to have them prepared in your mind and just be in the moment because then they can really just bubble up from sort of what's inside. So just as a little side note. And that that can be hard to do, like in any conversation when we're thinking about how we want to respond instead of actually listening. Mm. It's definitely a practice and a muscle that we can strengthen through practice. Yes. I found myself doing that. I found myself starting to think about the dance one and I was like trying to let it go. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my desires is, ah, um, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you've inspired me. Like just to get back into the, not just a swimming pool, but to go cold water swimming and to be in the lake and to feel like the mud on my feet as I'm swimming and like the reefs of grass sort of just around my legs. I just want to get back into nature and sort of, and into my body with nature. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank Mm. you. (laughs) I think getting our bodies into nature is one of, uh, one of those easy ways to connect ourselves to Mm. everything we've been talking about. Like there's something, especially about bare hands, like people who like gardening, digging your hands into the soil or going barefoot on the grass or getting into the ocean or, you know, depending on if you don't live near those things, just like, finding a tree and hugging it, (laughs) whatever you need to do to connect with mother nature. Cause that is so much of a part of our like really primal energetic connection to our power, I think happens most easily when we're doing those witchy things. (laughs) Okay. Nikki, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your heart and your soul and your wisdom and your vulnerability and your experience with us. If people want to know more about you and see all the things where should they go find you on the internet uh they can go to electricwoman.com which is my website or electric.woman on instagram amazing for the listener thank you so much for tuning in and being willing to be open to all of these um edgy topics that we dug into today and i uh as always really appreciate you tuning in i appreciate you sharing the show, especially with anyone else who it might resonate with. And this show, especially because it's like some edgier, more vulnerable, more um, juicy topics that I think are really important. If there's someone in your life who you think might uh, be down with this message, please share it with them. That is it for today. Thank you everyone for all the things and we'll see you in the next episode.